0: Hey, it's Freddie Cruz, sharing with you the stories of the businesses, organizations, and individuals that make the greater Houston area great. One such individual I met back in the spring at a Jack Carr autograph signing. His name is George Blitch. We hit it off immediately and have been buddies ever since. He co-owns a financial firm with his dad called Blitch and Associates, co-owns MattMyRanch.com with his best friend. He has a publishing house, which he started back in 2004 with a mentor of his, and currently hosts the Son of a Blitch podcast. During this episode, we're going to talk about owning a business with your family, and because he's quite the outdoorsman, we are definitely going to talk about hunting and preparing food with what you hunted. This episode is brought to you by my podcast agency, Speak Podcasting On the web at S-P-E-K-E, speak, that's speakpodcasting.com, home to shows like The Final Curtain Never Closes, hosted by President and CEO of the National Museum of Funeral History, Genevieve Keeney-Vasquez, as well as Let's Talk About Your Breasts, hosted by co-founder and CEO of the Rose Breast Center of Excellence, Dorothy Gibbons.
1: Hi, I'm Dorothy Gibbons, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of The Rose. October is the month of pink, and for The Rose, a breast center of excellence, that means we'll be airing podcasts every day in October to celebrate Breast Cancer Awareness Month. When you look at resources like The Rose, when we pull up in the morning, and there's no cars in the parking lot, but there's four coaches with the headlights on, I get emotional. I have... These two little boys, one had already lost one mother to breast cancer, and I was not going to let him lose another mother. Going through cancer three times, deciding not to share. The Rose walked her through all the journey, and the most fantastic person I met was Dixie Malello over there. You're going to get your daily dose of Let's Talk About Your Breasts during the month of October. To find out ways to help The Rose, visit our website at therose.org. Hi, right, I'm Ed Sheeran. Hey, this is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man, Florida, with Freddy Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddy Cruz. Freddy Cruz.
0: Freddy Cruz. they let you go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddy and it's time to cruise through HTX. What's a myth that you want to debunk that has to do with working with your family?
1: Um, you know, I've heard some people say don't work with friends and family because, you know, you that can just be a lot of chaos. Um, working with my father has been the most rewarding thing because one, I get to see him almost every single day of my life. Um, and that's something that I know a lot of friends of mine, you know, have family that's far apart. They may live in different coasts. And uh, it's something that is absolutely rewarding to me getting to just kind of be in the day to day. We kind of operate differently uh, mentality wise and, and how we work and uh, it's been definitely challenges to go from, you know, figuring out how his mind operates and works and how I can best find my fitting into the industry. But, you know, I started, I think close to 20 years ago in this industry, uh, with a six month trial basis. Cause I was touring around with my band and at the time too. So it was going to be like a kind of a part-time thing. And here we are 20 years later. So Um, yeah, it's, it's been just absolutely rewarding. So I think sometimes you can work with family, you can work with friends and it can be rewarding. You just guys got to be able to communicate and know what, you know, step you're on each way. And that way you can kind of make sure you're culminating in the best business, uh, at the end of the day,
0: people tell you not to go into business with your family and friends, but then George and his dad are in business together with probably what some would say money, money
1: finances. You're really going to (laughs) be arguing over money. Oh my goodness.
0: That's the last thing you should be arguing with, you know, about with anybody in your family, but no, you guys have made it work. I think that is so admirable, man. And, and, um, to further your point that not many people have the kind of relationship that you have with your dad. Um, what is it? 90, 91 or 92% of the time that you spend with your parents is before you turn 18. And so here you are, a grown dude, able to see and spend time with, with, with your father, with your pops, um, is really, really cool. What's, what was the last thing y'all disagreed about? Because if you're a musician, I'm guessing you're the creative type. And then he's the, okay, George, let's get to work. So what was the, <laughs> la- what was the last thing you all disagreed about?
1: As far as like our, our business, he's kind of been the leader in the industry for the state of Texas uh, in public finance. Works with a lot of municipal utility districts, special districts. And so I think we have a little bit of a difference that I, I guess we can we can dive into there would be how um, we kind of operate and we work with stuff. He's very much an, a numbers guy. I mean, he was he, he made a perfect score on the SATs. They said he missed one. He went down there and said, show me which one I missed because <laughs> he got them all right and he knew it. And I did not score perfectly on my SATs. Um, we, we're definitely different in, in, in a lot of respects, um, but there was something that that we talked about as far as like I go in there and I'm, I'm more of a people person, as you've known that I can kind of a social chameleon of sorts. I can kind of drop myself in any situation and be able to make a connection with people. And that's kind of where I, 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 think there's a little differentiation with us um, because he can kind of go in there and he can command a room with his knowledge and and what he knows as far as the industry. And people look up to him as that leader and they're like, okay, we're going to go ahead and follow your lead. Or if they have questions, he's able to back them up as far as, you know, Hey, this is why I suggest this or that. And, you know, a lot of times I make these connections with people that, Maybe you're just on a on a you know hard heart basis, or you know maybe in the hunting industry, or you know whatever music or whatever it may be that I might have that little you know uh, way to kind of walk into that. I make a different level of connection sometimes than that, so it's not necessarily uh, something we disagree on, but it's something that we do a little differently. Um, we don't really disagree on much, and you know when he says, "Hey, I think we should do it this way," you know he's had fifty years of experience. I kind of look at that and I'm like. Yeah, you know what you're talking about. I'm going to follow your lead here and yeah. I'm just trying to soak up as much as I can of knowledge from him. He's just a wonderfully gifted uh, a person and just a great guy. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm soaking up every minute I can of that kind of stuff.
0: I want to go to uh go to something else that you're doing because I mean there's a ton. I don't know when you sleep. You got mapmyranch.com. Mm-hmm. It's a website you make what are these custom, customized maps with your best friends? So talk about the importance of, of having an original map of your property.
1: It kind of started out where we made a map for my family ranch and we went around with some really high end GPS units at the time. This was about 15, maybe even 18 years ago, something like that. And we are pinpointing different spots, uh, lookouts, maybe feeders, blinds, different things that were on the property. And we just made a printed map of all these spots and made little icons for them. And we just handed them out to our friends and showing them. And they're like, oh, you should map my ranch. Hey, you should map my ranch. You should map my ranch. And then we decided, hey, there may be something here, a little side business. Um, But the thing that I found about it personally and that I feel like I can connect with people who are wanting to get uh, a similar thing for themselves is, Being able to look at something visually of your property, being able to say, okay, you know, we're going to go over here, or maybe we're going to go mow this field on on this area. Hey, this is where we saw this really cool deer. Hey, this is where we found an arrowhead or whatever it is. We're going to go fishing on this spot. Here's how you're going to get there. Being able to see it. I mean, looking down at your phone and and checking out an app, like we're partners with OnX, wonderful app, um, but it's on your phone. And there's, while that has great merits. It's something different about being able to fold out a big map and being like, we are here. And this is being able to see something visually, turn it around if you need to. We always have a compass rose, um, and then a feet and a yardage, uh, ruler, slide ruler to kind of be able to give you a scale of, of where it is. But that's something that I find, you know, for the utility of that is just so important and being able to be around, You know, your family ranch or your farm or, you know, we even do lakes and rivers. I mean, anything you would want to have printed, we can print. Uh, The the name Map My Ranch started because it was a ranch, but we've done everything. We've worked in all 50 states. And I think anybody, no matter what it is that they're going to use this for, being able to have a map on the wall and you gather around with your friends and your family and you're talking about the experiences you're about to have or the ones you just did out in the field and the connections that you have it's kind of a magnetic piece uh, to wherever it is you're doing and the experiences that you're having. And that's something that we find passionate about. And I can talk all day long to customers about it. Sometimes probably talk the ear off, but I love being able to have um, a, a little thread of being able to kind of bring people closer together and whatever I'm, I'm doing, but in that map it, it production, I feel like that's a, a conduit to that kind of thing too. And and it's just a joy to be a part of. And I love hearing the stories. You're getting a picture from someone says, Hey, we all got to check it out. This is great. You know, seeing a family around a map. So yeah, it started out as a side project and it, it is still a side thing to, mm-hmm. to, you know, the main uh, job, but it's, you know, one of a few that, that I, I juggle and I, I absolutely love it. I'm very passionate about
0: it. You are obviously an outdoorsman, uh, obviously into hunting and fishing and, Survival, which means you would be not even kidding my bFF comes zombie apocalypse time um, so what what do you what do you recommend for someone who wants to go hunting for the first time that they're like, you know what that looks fun. George makes it look like an absolute blast
1: kind of with some of the people that I have had the you know honor of sitting down and chatting with in my podcast, we talk about that a lot and I think there's a lot of different things you can do. The first thing is, um, uh, one of my buddies, he runs the hunter education coordination for the Texas parks and wildlife and there are hunter education courses all throughout Texas. So if you're there, I mean, every other state has their own as well too, but going into a hunter education program and being able to learn a little bit about it, the safety aspects, the different types of information that you can kind of glean from there and you can go further into it as well. Finding, um, one of those programs, they also have things for like youth hunters and adult hunters. So if you want to get in the Texas wildlife association, and Texas parks and wildlife work really well together here in Texas, um, to be able to put these programs on. So you can walk in not knowing a single thing and you'll be matched up with a mentor who can walk you through this. There's a lot of private lands and public lands that are opened up for you to be able to go and have these hunts, uh, or these seminars for just learning about it. And, I think that's very important. One thing that I've done is interview a lot of wild game chefs and we talk about those one hundred ones. okay, well, if you've now got a, a deer down or a hog down and you want to learn about processing, there's definitely a lot of books and websites and tools. Um, and a lot of the folks that I work with, uh, one in particular, Jesse Griffiths, he kind of has a book above me here, uh, the, the hog book that talks about how to break down your animals, different ways to prepare it, different ways to cook it. Every single recipe has been a winner. And that's something that, you know, I try to talk about those kind of 101s and maybe, you know, 102s very beginning in, in some of these podcasts for people who want to take that step. But I think it's great because you know where your food comes from. Uh, you know, there's so much stuff out there that's, you know, overly processed and you just don't really know what you're buying in the supermarket, where it's coming from, how many dyes been added, how many, you know, uh, different types of medications have been injected into those animals. You know, there's a brutality of hunting that i know some people kind of look at but it's i find it to be quite the opposite it's something that we've done for millennia to be able to get to where we are supermarkets are very you know in the span of human existence it's very new you know used to be we've survived because our ancestors have been able to survive out in the woods otherwise you and i wouldn't be here in this technological state having a podcast we're in different rooms right like we it being able to go to that level and so i find it's like a primal uh connection that we have, an ancestral connection. And I grew up where my family hunted and, and fished and on the family land. And that's how we put food on the table and survived um, before we started ranching and farming and things too. So that's something that I'm very connected with. And I feel like uh, people that are, you know, the more and more people are, are wanting to know about that with disconnections with supply chains or just wanting to know where their food comes, that local vore movement. And so I highly encourage anybody who wants to do that, to take a step out there and Even if it's not something you do for a long time in your life, you'll be able to have a little more understanding for folks who do have that as a way of life. What is your favorite thing to hunt? Uh, It used to be deer. I think hogs are something that I find so fascinating because it's this invasive species. Um, They're causing billions of dollars of damage a year, and I get to help do my part by taking them out. And helping our native indigenous wildlife. And while at the same time, they're delicious to eat. So,
0: Okay, feral, (laughs) are you talking about the feral hog problem?
1: And so feral hogs are actually okay to
0: eat? I know it sounds like probably a very elementary dumb question, but they
1: are okay to eat. They're absolutely okay to eat. Now, there are some talks about doing some kind of poison control in the future. I think when that kind of, if that ever turns out to play... Um, that would be a different situation. I know one place is doing a, a a poison that also makes the the meat blue, so that if you ever killed a wild hog and it was you saw blue meat, you don't eat. But that's not something that is very uh, much in in the mainstay right now. Um, I find that they are delicious. Uh, you know, there's different ways to cook them. I've had friends who've said I'd never you know taken e- eat a stinky boar, a big old 200 pound hog. I just bring it to the gut pit and then. You know, I've cooked him something, and I was like, what do you think of that? He goes, this is delicious. I love it. I was like, that's that 250-pound boar that you said was, you know, <laughs> un- inedible. So it's about how you prepare it, and it's about, yeah. like, how you're cooking things a lot of times, right? I mean, people take big pigs from the store all the time. You're eating a section of it. You know, hogs, uh, you know, cow, whatever. You, you, If you're doing something, you cook it wrong, it tastes bad. No one's going to like it. But if you do it the right way and you follow some good – guides and instructions and chefs who know what they're doing and do it for a living, then I think you'll be all right.
0: What is your favorite way to prepare a feral hog?
1: So um, there's one called uh, the smothered chops, which is, um, it's actually a recipe out of one of Jesse Griffith's books, uh, not the hog book, but it's called a field. And um, that is one where you basically start with like eight different onions and you're basically chopping them up and you're cooking them down for like 25 minutes, uh, and then you're going to go ahead and you're going to get little chops of, of, you know, I use like backstrap, which is the muscle that's on the back of, on either side of the spine of whatever animal it is. That, so you will hear like backstraps or you'll hear like tenderloins. A lot of times you'll hear tenders um, and that might be part of the thing that they're describing. Usually the tenderloin is on the inside of the spinal cavity um, and then the outside would be the backstrap. So I'll take in those and you can use some of the bone that's in there or a lot of times I'll just debone it. Having little sections and you'll just kind of hit score each side. Um, and because think about it, like a long rectangle or a cube and you see so you're scoring each side and kind of cooking a little bit of that. Then you're going to go ahead and put everything in one big Dutch oven. Um, I use La Crusette a lot or Le Crusette. And then um, you're going to pour in some different broth. Um, a, a lot of times I'll, you know, have bone broth that I've made and I'm going to take that and put it in there, or even chicken broth you can buy at the store. And Then you're going to basically let that stuff simmer for three and a half hours or so. Uh, It's going to be basically fall off the, you know, bone or if it's boneless, it's basically you can hit a fork to it and you can just kind of peel away some pieces. Uh, But the big step before that, that a lot of people don't do that I highly suggest is brining it. And so we do a, a a salt and a little bit of sugar brine. Um, I think that recipe calls for some cloves, um, as well as some bay leaves. Um, no, I'm sorry. Anise star anise is what you put in, not the cloves, you can throw some cloves into if you want, but, um, you're going to go ahead and brine that meat for about 18 to 24 hours. And, uh, that really kind of helps that preparation. Uh, then you're going to go ahead and, and discard that, you know, the brine and just take that meat out before, you, before, and then you score it. But that is one of my favorite meals. I um, mean, make it with polenta, mashed potatoes, different types of greens. I think uh, Jesse says he doesn't do anything unless he has some collard greens on the side. But that is a really great meal, and I find it's a, uh, a gateway. Whenever people say they don't really like hog meat, when I make that one for them, they're like, okay, I've changed my mind. And I've had many friends who said, I'm going to go start hunting hogs now. Or when I see one come across the land, I'm going to shoot it. And on wow. our land, if you see one, you shoot it. We'll get someone who wants the meat because it's, you want to take them off of the property. Um, you want to be able to like have your native wildlife, uh, you know, eat that food that maybe the hogs are competing with. So it, it feels like, I think there's a, there's a saying that Jesse had, eat a hog, save the world. So I'm just doing my part, you know?
0: <laughs> You're
1: making the world a better place. It's, it's a net I'm positive. Trying. Your existence it is. is a net positive. <laughs> Yes, yes. I'm always trying to be positive any way I can. You know that. You're a positive man too.
0: We're doing our best we can, right? There you go. (laughs) Let's shift the conversation to something I heard you talk about in one of your podcast episodes, and that is Harvey Arden, who Mm -hmm. is very close to your heart. He is since deceased, but he had a profound impact on you starting your podcast.
1: Yeah, so um, Harvey Arden... He was a National Geographic author for uh, close to 25 years. Uh, He had many best-selling books. He had some amazing experiences. Um, He was literally on assignment when Anwar Sadat was assassinated. He was literally right next to him. Um, He was there in the earthquake of 81 in Peru that was very devastating. He had all these National Geographic stories that he wrote that he was very well known for, but... Equally is well-known for is us. he used to travel around and interview indigenous elders from all around the world, Native American elders, aboriginals from Australia, wherever it would be, Peruvian medicine men and women. And he'd put together their life stories and works. And there was a company called Dream Keepers that we were a part of. Uh, I was one of the owners and I came in, I was like the multimedia specialist. So Harvey and I would go travel. We'd sit down at the foot of an elder. Uh, we worked a lot with the founders of the American Indian movement. Uh, Dennis Banks, Russell mean Clyde Bellacourt. And like, for instance, we went to go sit down with them and um, I would set up the cameras and, you know, audio equipment with a lot of the, the interviews. And I would kind of be the person who would be kind of behind the scenes recording it and then editing it and putting things out. And eventually Harvey was ready to pass that torch. And he's like, okay, now you sit down with uh, Edna Gordon, the Seneca grandmother uh, from the Hawk clan up in um, the, uh, in, in the reservation there in New York. And so I'd sit down and talk with her and record and ask her about her life. And then it kind of became something of a passion for me and kind of ignited that idea. It was like, okay, let's put out these books. So Harvey Arden put out a, a book with Leonard Peltier, a native American political prisoner. He's been in prison for 48, uh, 48 years for, uh, the alleged murder of two FBI agents, Uh million people believe, he's innocent. Uh and he's been there's been calls for his release from, you know, people all around the world. And even the original prosecutor said they believed that he didn't uh he he didn't commit these crimes. Uh he was three other guys got tried on self-defense. They were allowed to get off on self-defense and then Peltier was tried at a different time and he was not allowed to use a self-defense plea. Um so he's still in prison and Harvey Arden put out a book called Prison Writings with Leonard Peltier. And um that was in ninety nine and then he and I met up. Uh, I had an event that i or I put together at Boston uh Northeastern University where I went to school brought Harvey in, and he and I just immediately clicked, became really good friends um and then we decided to put out the second book called "Have You Thought of Leonard Peltier lately?" They had gone through like thirty five publishers, and so Harvey's like, let's just do it ourselves. You can publish a book, right, George? I'm like, yeah, let me just go take some classes on how to do that real quick. <laughs> and so I learned, I had a graphic design background. So I put the book together in the layout, um, and had an English degree from, from school. So I kind of was able to piece together things and, and, um, put that book together. And then, uh, that one turned into another, turned into another, and every book that we put out, we put the proceeds of that going to the next book and trying to put out projects that might not otherwise see the light of day, um, that was a little more of a controversial one and um, obviously because you know if people don 't look into the facts of the case, they might just see black and white, oh, this guy you know is is a murderer well no, if you really study the case and you know'm you know twenty years into studying it, I can tell you without a doubt there's an innocent man in prison, and there's a lot that goes behind that so that's that 's a whole nother conversation but One project became another, and then we worked with uh, Chief Orville Looking Horse, 19th Generation Keeper of the White Buffalo Calf Pipe, uh, Lakota Man there, wonderful gentleman, and then Edna Gordon. And then we put together some readings that Harvey would do with his elders, fit to music. Those uh, became spoken word CDs. Uh, A couple of them won some Native American Music Awards, uh, which is kind of like the the Grammys. They call it the Nammies, Native American. So uh, we've kind of put out a bunch of different projects and there's a bunch of recordings that I have and friends of Harvey's. So there'll be some more um, projects and I will have a dedicated podcast with all of Harvey's friends and family uh, talking about him and his legacy. But he was like a father, a grandfather to me, a wonderful man and uh, someone who inspired and entertained millions of people around the world throughout his years.
0: What I think is so cool is that you met him at a at a young age. And when you look Mm -hmm. at the picture of the two, uh, the two of you next to each other, he really does look like he could be your grandfather. And I think that's something that is undervalued in society is having relationships with people who are significantly other, uh, significantly older than us who are not our family members. So not an uncle, not an aunt, not a grandparent, not our, our parents, uh, people that who can be like sort of counselors to us, and I feel like that's not something that is uh highly encouraged uh, maybe in certain circles it is, but not not openly celebrated i guess
1: yeah it i i I think you you hit the nail on the head there and that's something that Harvey always talked about he's like while we have this technology, while we have the ability to you know and and kind of You know this idea of like Zoom. We're sitting in different spots, but we're you know in this Riverside. But like the idea of like when COVID happened and people started to still want to connect, and then they had different things like Zoom or different you know uh, platforms where they're able to you know Facetime each other. I mean the 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 ability now to reach out and connect. I don't have to go travel across the country and set up equipment for four hours to have an interview with someone. And Harvey was always saying, "While we have this technological advancement, go over and just set up your camera and." interview your neighbor, talk about them and their life stories. There are heroes that walk amongst our neighborhoods. There are people who make huge changes in everyone's lives that are monumental, inspiring people that are just right down the road from us. And he encourages young people to go and and talk with those elders, the elders of our societies in our society. It's a little different, but if you think about like an indigenous, you know, pathways, The elders are the ones that have lived there the longest. They're the ones whose wisdom the young children sit at their feet and listen to because they're the ones that hold the key knowledge of their people. They're the ones who have heard the stories the longest that are passing them down. And they're the gatekeepers to that ancestral knowledge and wisdom. Well, guess what? We have that in our culture too. Our elders are the ones that we need to listen to and pay attention to. And I think a lot of people dismiss, oh, he's old, he's slow, he's this, or she's that. Their minds aren't fully there. Wrong. They're the ones that are really capturing all that. They've lived the longest. And if you think of what has gone on in our lifetime and advancements, you put someone who's 90 and what all they've gone through in their lifetime, it's astounding. And those are the people who have some stories to tell. And I encourage everyone to go grab your camera, go videotape them and capture their stories while they're here, while they're still here. Cause when they're gone, the stories are gone. There's always going to be, it's like telephone. That next person through is only going to have a semblance of that story, a little bit of it, you know, or maybe some of the highlights, but they're not going to know everything. So Harvey encouraged me and to, to do that. And that's kind of what kind of brought me into the podcast realm is I want to interview interesting people doing interesting things um, and kind of share their life stories and just be a conduit to this greater knowledge that can be shared. And that's something that he instilled with me. And I, I feel like I walk through that every day of my life.
0: I love that he instilled that in you, and I completely agree with, with him and with you. I mean, every everyone is interesting about something. I told this to somebody who I had interviewed for my podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I wholeheartedly believe it. When someone says, oh, you don't want to talk to me, I'm like, yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> I do, because you've got something to say. You've got a story that is yearning to, to come out. And part of me, George thinks that it's, um, that they just don't want to be on a mic or, uh, in front of a computer screen staring at me from the other side of Riverside.fm that maybe they, they're just mic and camera shy. Yeah. That's, I think that's a large part of it because I think, uh, the two of us and you think about how many podcasters are out there, 500 to 700,000 active podcasters consistently putting out content, um, we're in the minority. If if you, let's just pretend that the 700,000 podcasters are all in the United States and there are 340 million of us. That is not very many people who actually enjoy being behind a mic and being on camera. (laughs) Right. Right. Even if you add up all the TV and radio personalities, if we're talking about traditional media, that's still not a lot of people. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you gave the stats too about, uh, podcasters and like how many actually get to double digits or, you know, there's, it's kind of astounding to think about how many people will start. And like, really the people who continue to do that, it's even fewer, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's what is it? It's uh, it's 90% of podcasters never make it past episode 3 and of the remaining 90% or I'm sorry, of the remaining 10%, 90% of them never make it past episode 20. So, you get into you get into episode 21 and you are in the elite 1% of all podcast creators. That doesn't mean necessarily that you have an amazing show, but You're at least doing the work and you're, you're, what is it? A Teddy Roosevelt's man in the arena or woman in the arena. You know, you're, you're not going to be, you're daring mighty things because you're trying something different. And, uh, what, what's something else that he wrote? It's like, you'll never go down as one of those, um, cold and timid souls that neither know victory nor defeat. And that kind of life scares the shit out of me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you've done so much in your life and, you know, you're continuing to reach out and meet new people and kind of, you know, be a conduit and and, the, and be a part of their conversation and sharing that. And you're leaving your mark by also letting other people leave theirs as well. And uh, it's something I admire. I mean, you, you know, I'm sure you've talked about in, on your show all the different things that you've done because you've been a mainstay in Houston um, for such a long time. And, you know, I was just. Are I, you I'm accusing me of being old? Are you accusing me nope. of being old? <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> he started when he was four on the radio. This guy's good. There you go. Yeah. I mean, there you go. You still look young. It keeps you young. No, but it it's um it, it I I love what you've done and Thank um, you. you know, all the different great things that you're a part of. I'm I'm just so thoroughly uh happy that we got to connect and, and become friends. And man, I I'm excited to have you on my podcast later this month, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the podcast, y'all, is Son of a Blitch, and so you can check them out at sonofablitch.com. And then if you want to get one of those customized uh maps of your, your lake your whatever, your, your ranch. If you live on a ranch and you're listening to the show, you're like, I, don't, I want one of those. Go to mapmyranch.com. And, uh, George, I got to tell you, man, I'm so glad that we met at that autograph signing because you are indeed one of the most interesting people that I've met in the past year. And, uh, your, your daughter, Ellie is an adorable little girl who is leaving her mark on the world by starting her own business, the boba, the boba tea, uh, mm-hmm. it's very sweet and very good. And so, uh, please give her and Meg my regards. And uh, can't wait to hang out with you again, my man. Oh, I, I she was
1: asked when I told her that I was going to be on your podcast today. She's like, Freddie. The fact that you came out when she was setting up her table, uh, it meant the world to her. You mean a lot to our family, and I know we're just beginning our friendship, and I can't wait to see how it blossoms in the years to come. Can't wait to see your podcast, and as it continues to grow and reaches more and more people, uh, it's an honor to be here with you, sir. It's an honor to be your friend, and I cannot wait to see all the wonderful things to come for you and uh, you know our, our time together as well. The honor's on my man. Take care, man. We'll talk soon.
0: Hey, it's me. I'm back with a quick little nudge. If you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did putting it together for you, then please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com and share with your family and friends. Thank you.